Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. We got a jam-packed three-part show for you guys today here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, a part of the Blue Wire Pod Network. Go check out all the other great shows all across the Blue Wire Pod Network today if you have not already done so. Also, thank you for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this very program. We greatly appreciate it as this show gets bigger and bigger each and every day and a lot of that comes from you guys so thank you so much for checking out the pod each and every day this national sports podcast which touches on everything like today where we got some nascar we got college basketball and nba all on this three-part edition here on a friday for you guys uh wherever and how you listen to this program we greatly appreciate it we kick things off with davy siegel uh of sirius xm to talk all things nascar yeah a lot of nascar stuff the crazy penalties that resulted in chase elliott's win in the poconos on sunday we talked about uh, ty gibbs ross chastain uh biggest race surprise this year grayson mccall's nil deal with nascar um just uh, who's uh, who's going to win over the weekend, another road course, whether it's going to be Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. Uh, could it be another surprise? We'll see. But it was a lot of fun talking all things NASCAR to start off here on a Friday. Uh, so, yeah, jam-packed edition. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listening. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe as we continue growing out the YouTube page. So check us out there. Read me and all my sports writing over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Sportsrenaissanceman, that's me. Uh, so type in your email, become a subscriber today. That easy, that simple. Um, but yeah, all right. Part one, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Thursday afternoon. A first-timer, he's been just dealing with Joe Gibbs Racing, all kinds of crazy stuff all week, (laughs) just all kinds of hysteria in the world of NASCAR uh, this week, but um, people are saying it was for the greater good as a pro-chase man on this podcast and a Georgia native and someone who went to the University of North Georgia and the Dawsonville connections there. I think um, what happened on Sunday was the right move for everyone involved, uh, mm. Davey. That's that's where I landed on all of this for Chase Elliott. Uh, very Chase Elliott-friendly podcast. Mm. But uh, thank you so much for joining me, J- uh, Davey Siegel. So how uh, how's everything going on your end? Going good for me. Uh, since your name is Chase, Chase is mm. a winner. You're a Georgia boy. I can't yeah. imagine things could be going much better for you right now. So, yeah, I think everything went exactly according to plan for you. I, it. Not to imply that it was orchestrated or anything of the sort, but um, we can't rule out the influence of the mustache and what Chase Elliott is doing on that front um, of late. Conspiracy theorists are are in full force this week. Trust me. They are. Well, you're on social media. So what was the like you're doing that with Sirius XM? What was the response from fans Sunday night and in the days following? Has it just been your, the mentions have just been crazy and a lot of folks upset? Were they like just intrigued and just curious less upset like what has been the response generally speaking i've actually been pleasantly surprised with the response because Hmm. i'll put my hand up i thought it was going to be nightmare scenario where conspiracy theories come in left right and center oh this is such a bad look for nascar dqing the winner i can't believe they did that was it really that Hmm. egregious but to nascar fans credit for the most part they have been calling for this for a really 
really long time, you know, going mm. back a handful of years to those encumbered victories, which even just saying that gives me PTSD. But that was the era where you would fail post-race inspection, you would keep the win, but you'd be penalized in the form of a crew chief suspension, a points penalty, a monetary fine. But in the history books and, and in the winner books, you would still be the winner. You just wouldn't necessarily get all the things that come along with that, be it financially or points incentive wise. Um, and NASCAR, to their credit, they in, they enacted this rule, think about a couple of years ago at this point and saying, you know what? When we leave the racetrack on Sunday night, we're going to figure out who the winner is fair and square. We're not going to wait until Tuesday or Wednesday to take the cars back to the R&D center, to tear them down there, to make sure that this guy passed inspection or this person's actually the winner. We don't want to wait until Tuesday or Wednesday because that's a bad look for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. We want to do it the night of the race. And to their credit, they have done that for the last couple of years. It just hasn't happened since they made that change in the process to have an actual race winner disqualified at the Cup Series level. We've seen it mm -hmm. happen in the Truck Series. We've seen it happen in the, in the Xfinity Series. Um, not regularity, but it's happened multiple times. And it's happened in the Cup Series, just not with the winner. And then for it to happen with first and second place, mm -hmm. and in a juncture of the season where playoff points are really paramount and everybody's trying to get all they can, it was kind of one of those whoa moments because this is something that is quite literally unprecedented. It hasn't happened at the top level of NASCAR in 62 years has not, has never happened in the modern era. Mm -hmm. And it happens to not one person, but two that finished one, two in the same team. And mm -hmm. also in the same week, Petty GMS motorsports was penalized front row motorsports got hit with a pretty heavy L2 penalty as well. At the start of the year, NASCAR said, look, do not mess with this car. If you do, there's going to be hell to pay. We're going to drop the hammer. And mm. they have dropped the hammer not once, not twice, but thrice, only this week. So they are sticking to their word, and I'm happy about it because it would not have been a good scenario if somebody were to have failed post-race inspection and then it gets into a mess of, well, they can keep their playoff points, but well, we're going to let this slide here and there. No, they did what they said that they were going to do when they changed these rules, and that's stick to their guns and make sure that they know who the winner is the night of the race, and that's what they did. So do you think this clears up a lot of that now the message has been received um, across the board that every team now knows that like, oh, they'll literally take a win away from us at this point. Like they're 100% not messing around and we're not touching these cars to that extent anymore. Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, if it wasn't already made clear earlier in the year with the RFK racing penalty to Brad Kozlowski, I mean, that was the same infraction, I believe with the same L2 penalty that Front Row Motorsports got this week. That was 100 points, 100 grand. 10 playoff points, four race suspension for the crew chief, 100 grand fine to the crew chief. And that's what Blake Harris and the 34 team got this week. They DQ'd two people. They had the rocker box assembly infractions on petty GMS cars. If that message has not gotten across by now with four major penalties this season and three in the span of two, three days, then you got to figure out a better way to read the rule book. And people are still going to push the envelope. People are still going to push the limit. That is in the fabric of the sport, and that's in the fabric of NASCAR, frankly. But it's just about how much you push it and how much you can get away with. NASCAR has made it very clear, though, they are going to crack down on this certain areas with the next-gen car because they're not going to have it. And they didn't have it this week. I don't expect that to change moving forward at all. And I think that's good because you need this type of officiating in the sport. It hasn't been this way for 
a lot of years, but I think this change is a good one. Is there anything Denny Hamlin or JGR could actually do to push back against any of this? Can they fight it at all? No. I mean, well, <laughs> factually speaking, the deadline is passed for them to yeah. formally file the appeal. So, so they did not appeal, so they're sense. just taking it. Right. I mean, and I think that kind of says it all right there. If, if they felt like they had a case to say, no, this is actually a mistake or this mm-hmm. is actually allowed, then theoretically they would have filed the appeal. The fact that they didn't, I think, to me at least, says, okay, you know, we know what we did. Whether or not it was intentional or not, we don't really have a case here. So what do you just think? accept defeat and move on. I think they knew what they were doing. I have no mm-hmm. way of knowing that factually. Mm-hmm. But given the amount of smart people that work over there at Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, the inches that it takes to be better than the next guy and the amount that these guys and gals that work at the race shops push the limits – Mm. I think that they probably knew what they were doing. I don't know if we'll ever know that factually, but the people that I've talked to, the things that I've heard, it seems like, you know, it's not an accident that they put extra layers of vinyl where they put them. And even Corey LaJoy, who's probably way more plugged in than any of us on his podcast said that he heard, you know, when they went to go inspect the cars post-race, they didn't beat around the bush. They went straight to the nose to that front fascia and said, Hey, what's this? And, From there, you kind of could figure out that NASCAR may have known about something. They may have even been tipped off about the rocker boxes on the 42 and 43. They may have known about what was going on with the body filler on the 34. The garage is a very small place. (laughs) Word travels fast. Secrets are hard to keep. And that goes for inspection failures as well. So if if you have... Do you think Denny Hamlin knew? That's a tough one. I... I don't think so. I think well, that, that hurts even more, right? Like he's just got to be completely pissed yeah. off about all this. I mean, it would, it, it hurts certainly, but yeah. I don't think it hurts him as much as it would hurt somebody like Martin Trucks Jr. If it happened True. to him, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, because Denny's already got two wins. He was going to be True. locked in pretty much. He's no just a very what. competitive guy. He doesn't strike me as 100%. someone who takes that very well. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I mean, if Kyle won the race and he got DQ, I think that would have been a bit of a, you know what show. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he's not happy to get DQ'd from second either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough because Denny owns a team as well. It's not mm-hmm. the team that he got DQ'd, but you would think that as a team owner, he's aware of the things that is going on uh, around their race cars. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he necessarily knew what was going on on his race car. I'm sure that on the 2311 cars, if they were doing similar things, he was aware of it. Mm. And that's another point of conversation, too. You know, NASCAR inspected the 11 and the 18. What about the 20? What about the 19? What about the 45 and the 23? And Scott Miller basically said on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, you know, it'd be quite literally logistically impossible to inspect every single car at the racetrack because they'd be there until Wednesday, which is when Mm. the penalties were already getting announced before this shift and how inspections done. So. So what's the slope. number? Where do they stop? Like a seventh place, eight, eighth place? Where, where do well, they stop? So the top, the top five, to my knowledge, the top five get inspected post-race okay. pretty uh, under some pretty intense scrutiny. Mm. And I believe the top two maybe get a little bit even more um, inspected than the third, fourth, and fifth place finishers. And then from time to time, NASCAR will select two random cars to bring back to the R&D Center in Concord to do a bit of a deeper dive on those specific cars just so happens this week, one of those randoms was the mm-hmm. 34 of Michael McDowell who got nabbed with that L2 penalty. So look, NASCAR knows that these teams have a very small box to work with in terms of tinkering on this next gen car and the teams, if they didn't know already, 
they now know that that box got even smaller because they are not going to play around. They're not going to give you a warning. They're not going to hold your hand and say, it's okay, you made this mistake, don't do it again. If you make a mistake, it's written very clearly, and now we've seen it in action. They're going to come down on you, and they're not going to feel sorry about it. Interesting. But it makes the whole season a lot more interesting, too. And, I mean, like you said, like they are not messing around with the next-gen cars. And uh, this is, hey, start it early. If you establish this precedent now, um it just it's gonna be better for everybody involved going forward it's just somebody has to be first someone had to get the hammer uh first um what what is up with bush what uh are what are you looking at for from ty gibbs this weekend like what's going on there do you know you're talking about kurt bush yeah kurt bush well i am guilty of falling into a fake sense of security with these wrecks that we've seen over the Mm. last few years i mean I was at Daytona in 2020 when Ryan Newman had his accident. Just figured he was fine because every wreck that I'd seen in my entire life up until that point, everybody was fine. Same thing with Kurt Busch. It was a pretty innocuous hit. I was standing on pit road. I heard some tire screeching, looked up at the big screen, saw he backed it into the fence and said, oh, that sucks, going to a backup. Saw he got out of the car, and then lo and behold, race day morning, we start hearing rumblings that he may not have been cleared, concussion symptoms. How is that possible? Was wasn't even a bad hit. But what I am hearing and what we've seen now with some data is that this next-gen car is very, very rigid. Mm. And there were some safety concerns going into the year, Ryan Newman being one of them. That was not necessarily a reason he didn't return, but he was very vocal about the safety concerns with the next-gen car. You know, not a, not a huge amount of room to work with in terms of the, the body area crushing together like the previous generation car. I mean, Kurt Busch, you would assume that this hit – was not the only hit that did him in. I mean, he had taken a lot of big hits over the last few weeks. Corey LaJoy at Atlanta got into him on the white flag lap. That was a pretty hard lick for him there. Um, I know Kevin Harvick at Fontana had a practice crash that was a bit of a similar impact to this one. And, you know, he raced that same weekend and he was fine. Um, But that's still a big hit. A lot of drivers are just taking really, really big hits. And it's being you know, publicized and reported that these drivers are not necessarily walking out A-OK, being able to, you know, go work out the next day. I mean, they're sore. They're more sore than they're accustomed to. And I think that's Mm -hmm. just a product of them getting used to the car, how it crashes, and this car not necessarily being as forgiving as the previous generation car. So that, that, that I think, is what you saw with the the Kurt Busch situation. And as far as Ty Gibbs goes, I mean, for getting into the next-gen car, for the first time that we know of, racing it, sitting in it, getting used to the sequential shifter, everything that comes along with this car that we've been told is fundamentally different from anything that these guys had ever raced in before. Coming home in the top 20, that's a win. Almost getting a top 15, that's a win. More than anything, completing all the laps, keeping your nose clean, not making anybody mad. That was a hell of a debut, especially with less than, what, 12 hours notice? I mean, that's that's really, really a good job done by Ty Gibbs. And, oh, by the way, the first Xfinity race that he ever competed in, he won. That was on a road course, and it's going to be on an Indianapolis road course this weekend. So I'm not I'm not saying he's going to win the race. I'm just saying that Toyota's not bad, Ty Gibbs is not bad, and we could see something happen this weekend. I don't think he's going to win, but it wouldn't necessarily shock me. I mean, he's 19. I mean, obviously, it's in his blood, his grandfather being Joe Gibbs and everything, but um i don't know like it seems like you're pretty high on him going forward like he's gonna be Mm -hmm. 
a big time player. Does he have some Kyle Larson in him? Is that kind of what you're seeing a little bit? Like where who who's the most apt comparison based on what uh, you've seen so far from Ty? That's a tough question. I mean, I'm I'm very high on him just because of the results that I've seen. And a lot of people mm-hmm. give me crap because of his last name and he's he's driving the best equipment. Anybody can win in that car. Well, first of all, no, no, anybody cannot win in that car because there's been people that have been in that car and not won. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's in that car and he has won with the frequency that he has and the speed at which he has, that's the impressive thing to me. I mean, you mentioned Kyle Larson. He beat out Kyle Larson straight up 1v1 in the Xfinity Series at Road America about a month ago. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. First ever start in the Xfinity Series. Comes out and waxes the field on the Daytona Road Course. Really impressive. Gets in a next-gen cup car for the first time ever. Runs top 20. Again, keeps his nose clean and impress a lot of people. Really, really impressive. I don't know if I could compare him to one specific driver yet because I feel like his driving style is kind of still developing. Like you said, mm-hmm. he's 19. He's only been driving full fendered, big, heavy stock cars for a handful of years. Racing has been in his blood his entire life. He's been racing his entire life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, his racing style and his acumen, if he's able to try to emulate somebody, you know, that has really not come into play yet. I know that he really looks up to Ayrton Senna, the former Formula One champion. Um Hard Seems to like a lot of those young guys are like that. I think a lot of guys are looking up yeah. to Formula One guys. I mean, it's hard to compare a racing style from a Formula One driver to a NASCAR driver, especially with those different eras. But I think he, you know, for lack of a better term, he's got he's got some dog in him. You know, like he <laughs> got that dog in him. You do. I think he, you have to. A- if you're the grandson and like people are going to pick on you, like mm-hmm. he's going to look at it as like royalty where it's just, yeah. I mean, Dale Jr. Dealt, dealt with the same thing, not to this extent. I mean, I think he dealt with a lot more than Ty will get, but it's just like you said, like his name is his last name. Like he's going to have to deal with that. Yeah, and he already has. Um, you know, he's he's being very mature. He's getting more mature. I mean, he's done some things on track over the last year and a half that have really, really rubbed people, competitors, fans the wrong way and how aggressive he's been, how he's raced other people, how he's treated other people on the racetrack, but it seems like he's turning a corner. He's maturing before our eyes and that's in what he says. That's how he cares himself. And more importantly, that's what he does with his race car on the racetrack. And you saw that on Saturday in the Xfinity race, great battle with Noah Gregson. And you saw that on Sunday too, bringing home a clean 45 car in his debut. It just seems like there is a disconnect between the Kevin Harvick's and Hamlin's of the world and the Ty Gibbs and Ross Chastain's of the world where the aggressive stuff, we had those comments, I think, from uh, Harvick and Hamlin a few months back about, I mean, because obviously Hamlin and Chastain, um, that history is well documented and there was some more stuff on Sunday. But I am curious because like, that's not going anywhere. So for the older crowd, like I think it's just one of those, they're like, well, you want an answer. Is this how it's going to be? They're going to be aggressive and they're going to do whatever they can to win. It's like, I don't know how they can be any more clear. I don't know how Ross Chastain, Ty Gibbs, guys like that who are coming up, like, yeah, they're going to do whatever it takes to win, even if that means uh, racing a different way than what it, what it used to be. It just seems like that's what's happening. And it's like, I, I don't know what else you want them to do. They're, they're being very clear about the way they're going to go about this, right? Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, I don't know what, what more they need to do or say mm-hmm. to show you what their goals, aspirations are, and, and how they drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ross Chastain, to his credit, whenever he's made a mistake or, or been too aggressive, he has come out and he's owned it 
And I think some people have, have grown a little bit tired of him basically making mistakes, coming out and saying, oh, you know, I got to be better than that. I'm so sorry. You know, I know I'm better. But than do you that. think he and should then, apologize? I mean, it, it depends. I mean, you shouldn't yeah. apologize if you don't mean it. And I'm not saying he means it or not, but it does get tiresome for some people when he goes out, makes a mistake, says, I'm better than that. I need to be better than that. I will be better than that. And then he mm-hmm. does the same thing the next week, you right. know? So on one hand, I think he does, you know, need to apologize in some instances, but at the same time, you shouldn't really apologize for being aggressive. If that's what right. you need to do, at least what you think you need to do to, to win races. I mean, when he was at Ganassi before Justin Marks came into the picture, he was very public about the fact that he needs to rein back his aggressiveness. And it's something that he recognized he understood, but when that visor goes down and that engine shuts on, you, you can't really control it. It's mm. it's almost like a sickness that racers have. It's like they are so dedicated to their craft. They are so dedicated and fixated on just doing one thing, and that's everything in their power to win. It doesn't matter who's in your way. It doesn't matter how you do it, where, what, how. Just mm. get to the checkered flag first. And to Ross's credit – and Trackhouse Racing's credit, they've done that a lot this year, a lot more than a lot of people originally thought, and he's ruffled a lot of feathers doing so. But at the same time, he's one of the championship favorites for a reason. That's mm-hmm. because of his aggressive nature. That's because of the fact that he's a multi-time winner. That's because he's not afraid to get in the mix and be aggressive when he needs to be. So for the older guard like Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski that may not like the younger drivers coming in and essentially – not taking no crap from anybody, they better get used to it or, or get on down the road because that's how it's going to be. Even Kevin Harvick's talked about his son, Keelan, mm-hmm. who's racing go-karts. I mean, he's basically said, I don't, I was not taught but to, I was not brought up racing in the sense of win at all costs. Mm-hmm. I was taught to preserve your equipment, respect other people on the racetrack, the rest will take care of itself and you'll learn. These kids now, his words, not mine, mm-hmm. and I'm parsing them, are do whatever you have to do to win, if that's wreck somebody, wreck yourself, you do it, you win at all costs. That's just a dichotomy shift that we've seen generationally. And it's not like one's right and one's wrong. It's just that's how it is. That's why when I say like he shouldn't apologize, it's just that like, dude, it's one thing if you're not winning. If you're doing this and you're not good and the results are not speaking for themselves, that's a problem where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, clearly this is not working and you're pissing a lot of people off. Like this, <laughs> nobody likes that. Right. Uh, nobody likes an asshole who's also that doesn't have the results to back it up. But if you're in contention and you're 29 years old and you're trying to make a name for yourself and you really want to make this thing work long term, you establish yourself and you show like, hey, I'm here to stay and I'm going to be aggressive. And like when you get on the track with me, I'm coming. You better look over your shoulder because that's how I race. And this is Mm -hmm. what will eventually win me a NASCAR Cup. Like that's just how it works. That's what's going to happen. So we can stop just like apologizing each week about a different style like i just i don't know i think that probably needs to to go away i i've moved on from that um where it's just like it just it's silly stop making these kids apologize for racing differently yeah um well when you look at the race results to this point in this season davy i'm curious what has been the biggest surprise what what race was the biggest surprise for you um race being the biggest surprise um Maybe Road America just because mm. of where Tyler Reddick won. I don't think it was a surprise that he won. I think it was a surprise where he won. I know that he was solid on road courses, but he had gone through a weird roller coaster season to that point, right? Mm. Comes out the gate pretty strong. We're thinking, all right, he's been in the Cup Series for a little bit now. 
I know he's been close to getting a win. This is going to be the year. He's going to break out. He's going to have a really good year. It's going to happen. And he gets oh so close at Bristol Dirt. Chase Briscoe sends her on in there and wipes them both out. Kyle Busch comes in and wins. And after that, you're like, all right, well, Reddick's got the speed. He's going to win here, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to come through one of these next few races. And that early summer stretch, he really, really fell off. That whole team did. Mm-hmm. And you started to wonder, man, did they really throw away their shot or did their shot go away of winning to make the playoffs? And then lo and behold, Road America shows up 4th of July weekend and that car was just on rails and they went to victory lane. I'm trying to think of any other races that, you know, come to mind immediately. I mean, Suarez winning at Sonoma, a bit of a similar thing, right? Chastain had been and is the barometer for track house racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suarez had always been a bit of a, a bit behind him, but on that day at that track, at that time, he was the best driver and that's all it really takes. You know, track house overall, they're probably my surprise of the season just given the, the speed that they've had, the amount of wins that they have. And it's not a fluke either. Like they are keeping up this pace throughout the entire regular season. And I know that it's going to fluctuate as we get into the playoffs, but Ross Chastain is a serious, legitimate championship four threat. Daniel Suarez can go multiple rounds into the postseason. Both track house cars can win at any track type on any given Sunday. As cliche as that is, they are probably one of, if not the best team right now, across the board because the 99 and the one are inside the top five and top 10 every single week. And that to me is a big surprise because I did not expect them to be that good going into the year. What do you make of Grace McCall uh, and his NIL deal with NASCAR? Didn't see that coming. Um, (laughs) But I think it's kind of just a testament to the market, how it's shifting, how college sports are adapting, how NASCAR is adapting with it. Um, Coastal Carolina, Darlington Raceway. I love it. It's a match mm. made in heaven. Chanticleers and the Lady in Black. Love that. Yeah. So I think it'll be good. You know, I, I'm curious to see if, uh, you know, he'll have Darlington Raceway on any of his, you know, uniforms when he's playing or mm. if, you know, his towel Coastal or Carolina something. Will have, yeah. I mean, you don't know, right? Maybe, maybe mm. they'll have like a Darlington playbook or something that's going to be like mm. on his little, I don't know what they call him, but uh, on his play card or whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I didn't see it coming. That's something else that's also unprecedented. So we'll see if anything really comes of it. I don't know if anything is going to necessarily happen in terms of ticket sales with the track or or Coastal Carolina, but it's an interesting pairing and it's it's the first of its kind. So I think this may be a barometer to see if this can work moving forward. And if it does, then I would probably expect more NIL and NASCAR tracks or sanctioning body deals to happen in the future. We'll see. Uh, when you look at this weekend, who's your favorite? I would probably have to go in the Hendrick camp, even though they've been a bit spotty as of late, still looking at Kyle Larson, looking at mm. Chase Elliott, who, by the way, has not won on a road course this year yet. And we were ready. I was ready to crown him the road course king just a year and well, a half. It seemed so like ago. he was going to at Road America and they were like trying to figure yep. out if it was a business decision of like, is it worth it to win here? Like right. uh, that was one of those where I think if he wanted to win at Road America, I think he right. could have won at Road America. I mean, Chase finished second there. Larson finished third there. Byron has run well at road courses in the past. Alex Bowman, he was on his way to a potential win at Coda. And then Ross, Mm -hmm. the watermelon man, just wiped him and Almendinger out. So Mm -hmm. it's not like any of these guys have a hindrance at road courses. But the Indy road course specifically is a bit of an outlier and an anomaly because it's still pretty new on the schedule. There's Bowman and Bubba Wallace. I think there's a handful of other cup drivers that are moonlighting in the Xfinity series to – get some more track time this weekend. 
overall across the board, I mean, I mentioned track house is probably one of, if not the best team in the cup series to this point, Hendrick motorsports is, is one a or one B to track house because across four drivers, they all have wins obviously. And Bowman has been the one that needs to step up this game because they've had some bad luck as of late with DNFs. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that Larson has one win and that's a problem, I think that says a lot. Chase Elliott's got four now. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say three, but four with that DQ. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's obviously on track to win the regular season championship. And William Byron still, even though he's in a bit of a lull right now, is in the midst of the best season of his career. So I'd probably look at the Hendrick camp for for your winner this weekend. I like it. I like it. Um, So there you have it, Chase Chase Elliott, getting another dub this weekend. Chase Uh, Elliott for Chase Thomas. That's all that matters. Hey. Georgia boys, we we know how to win races and win podcasts. Down the sirene. There. (laughs) Absolutely. Shout out to the pool room. Uh, Davey, how do the good folks keep up with your work and everything you got going on this week? Yep. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Center, and you can follow me on Facebook as well. Same place. You can find me there. Just search my name on Instagram. Search my name on TikTok. Recap races there every week. Hope everybody gets some enjoyment out of those. My aim is just to make people laugh, so... As long as I'm doing that, I'll keep it up. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. We'll check back in again soon. Davey, thank you so much and uh, have fun this weekend. Will do. All right, y'all. That'll do it for part one here on a Friday. Hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Davey. And if you did, please, please, please make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If that is indeed how you listen to today's program. As always, you can uh, go check out the homepage at chasemuspodcast.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. And then get in touch with the program. Mailbag questions for me, chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. Part two coming up. Stats by Will on all things college basketball coming up in just one second. So stick around. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah.